Welcome to a very special edition of the Cross Border Interview Podcast featuring Bryson Silloboy. Welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Today, uh, we are sitting down with Bryson Silloboy, uh, a Mi'kmaq person uh, and also two-spirited. Uh, Bryson, I want to thank you so much for doing this. This is going to be coming out, well, this is coming out on July 1st. I think it's an appropriate time for this discussion to be happening with everything that has gone on in Canada in the last, I would say, month, but let's be honest, over 150 years that we have been around. So, Bryson, thank you so much for doing this. Hey, uh, you're you're welcome. Thank you very much. Um, it's glad to, I'm glad to be here. Um, my, I, I'm going to ask this question and I'm going to get it wrong and I know it and I, I'm trying to be an ally as per your 30 rules, but I see number 23 and I've honed in on that one that you're going to mess up and that's okay. Who are the Micmac people? Well, us um, Micmac people, we are... Um, or First from, Nations, I apologize. No, it's, uh, you know, um, I prefer people to use our, our nations first uh, when specifically talking to somebody. Uh, so, you know, you know, dressing me as a Mi'kmaq man or, or from the Micmac tribe, you know, that's, that's very appropriate. Um, so, but, yeah, us uh, Mi'kmaq people, we are from Nova Scotia. Um, our territory encompasses Nova Scotia, a little bit of Newfoundland, PEI, and some parts of New Brunswick and the Gaspé Peninsula. Um, so that's our traditional territory. Um, we're also part of the, um, the Wabanaki Confederacy, and that uh, includes uh, the Mi'kmaq, the Abigway, the um, Penobscot, Passamaquoddy, and the, uh, oh, I can never pronounce this one right, uh, Wallastock, which is Maliseet. Yeah. Okay. So I'm very happy to know that I'm not the only one that has trouble pronouncing names. So I, I, I appreciate knowing that sometimes it is hard and I, I'm not trying to be livid here, but it's good to know that sometimes other people have hard times pronouncing names as well. Um, on top of that, the Micmac people have had a struggle in Nova Scotia, which I was, I was learning about when I was doing research for this episode. And it wasn't until I would say 10 years ago, even uh, before that, where they weren't recognized as a first nations, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We were just, uh, you know, just kind of there. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's been a long struggle. Uh, we've been trying to, you know, like our nationality has been up and up and around and yeah, it's, it's just been uh, interesting to see us grow as a nation. Yeah. So the reason I've asked you on to the show and I, I gave you the list of questions that I'd be talking about, I, but I think the first one that we have to get out of the way is the, the more recent news of uh, the residential school system that has been a, and I'm going to use this word, and it is a uh, very political word that I'm going to be using, but a genocide towards the Indigenous people of 
Canada. Uh, and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, but I, I believe it is a genocide. Uh, the Canadian government and the Catholic Church killed hundreds, if not thousands, as every every week it seems that we are learning more and more unmarked graves are being found. As a Indigenous man, how how do you feel towards A, the Canadian government, and B, the Catholic Church? Well, you know, I it's been a mixed bag of emotions. I'm not going to lie. You know, like, um, I've gone from being angry uh right up to being happy because i've you know like i'm am angry that it's taking this this long for this to come out even though us indigenous people have been saying it for you know decades now um i'm happy that these children are finding their voice um beyond their grave and uh you know calling everybody in canada to, you know, think about this uh, right out in the center, you know, that these children have finally been found. And, you know, they, they are sparking a conversation and a change in Canada. And it's, it's for the better, you know, so like, it's, it's just been a huge roller coaster of emotions uh, these past, well, this past month, I guess. Well, and one of the things, one of the reasons why I reached out was there was a post that you did and it was a video. I think it was June 21st where Mm -hmm. you, I think it was on TikTok, if I'm not mistaken, but it was posted on Twitter because I am of a generation that doesn't understand Twitter, uh, TikTok. So I don't go there with a 10 foot pole. Neither do I. (laughs) Hey, you're on it. So you can't say that. (laughs) But you, you say you are a product of the residential school system. And I want to clarify that. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, like I personally, like I, I am a product of, of the residential school system because, you know, my my mother was a survivor and my grandparents were survivors. I have, you know, I have aunts and uncles that are survivors. I have cousins that are survivors, you know, and I myself, you know, like me and my my siblings and a lot of my other co- younger cousins, you know, we all are products of of, of the um, Indian Day School. You know, we all went to one because you know, Sagabanagadi, where I'm from, my reservation, um, had a residential school five kilometers away from it. You you. <laughs> And yet again, I apologize for using the word uh, you a lot, but it is what I'm going to be saying a lot. Um, You have openly uh, been calling out people on Twitter. And I think you are a voice that needs to be heard, especially at this time in in this day of age. But you have been calling out people for their settler and colonialism background, saying it's time to shut up basically, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, shut up and listen. And, and I appreciate that because it is time to listen. How do we listen and what should we be listening for? And yet again, whiter than white can be. My husband will tell me that I will burn in the middle of winter. Uh, like this wave in Calgary is killing me. But how do we listen? What is the first steps? And yet again, this is going to be an educational hour. And I apologize for anyone who's tuning into this and thinking it's just going to be a Levitt uh, conversation. But I want to learn. And I'm hoping that if we teach one person, we do our job here. So how do we listen? 
Um, you know, like uh, the basics of listening is, um, you know, like follow indigenous voices is the first, is the first um, step, you know, follow prominent um, indigenous activists, follow grassroots indigenous, indigenous activists, you know, just follow them. And, you know, um, the first start is to, is to, you know, like in my post about allyship, I say it's going to be uncomfortable, you know, because we are, we are unlearning our biases, you know, so that's, that's a very uncomfortable position for, for settlers to be in because, you know, like they're used to being told, you know, not being told, no, you know, you can't do this. You can't say that you can't do this, you know? Um, but you know, like at the same time, it's opening people's eyes, you know, to like what indigenous issues are in, in Canada and, you know, like the, where to start is reading even the calls to action from the uh, truth and reconciliation commission, you know, starting there or, or, um, you know, reading the final report on the missing and murdered indigenous women, um, education, like, Self-education is where, where everybody starts. I have found it quite appalling. And I'm, this is yet again from me, appalling that there are people in this country who did not know about the residential school system before uh, May 27th when 215 children were found. What does that say about our Canadian education system? And yet again, I learned about it in grade 10. I'm looking at these people, uh, looking at people and going, were you not paying attention? Like uh, I, I got the education. Why hasn't everyone else as an indigenous person, as someone who is a product of the residential school system, how do you square that away and say, no, you, you need to learn about it. You need to, go out, read a book or get a better education because your school system failed you as a Canadian, but also as an ally to indigenous people. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our education is great. Our education system is great in Canada. Uh, you know, I can't say anything really too bad about it. Um, but it is lacking in truth. You know, um, I've seen, I've seen posts about, um, you know, elementary school um, textbooks saying, yeah, there was indigenous people here, but they moved out so we can take the land, you know, stuff like that. So like, there's a lot of mistruths and we're like brushing over a lot of the context of um, indigenous settler um, dynamics in, in our Canadian history. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, there's, I, I fully understand like people under 25, not knowing because, you know, from when like, you know, me, I'm 40 years old. What I learned in school is probably, you know, significantly different than what, you know, kids under 25 are, are, are being taught now, you know? So I think what we have to do is hold education like boards and you know ministers and stuff like that accountable for for what they are sending out to the schools 
And one of that, one of those ways that we can do that is to hold them to account, like you said, but also to be an ally. And this is the key area that I, I want to dive into because you yeah. have released 30 points on how to be a ally to indigenous people in Canada. I want to ask this question before we dive into some of the, uh, some of the points that you talk about. Why did you come up with this? Well, and you know, like, I think why I came up with it is because people were shocked, you know, at, at that number at that time, 215 bodies in, in the ground, you know, children, children's bodies, you know, so people were shocked and what, like for indigenous people, we kind of had the advantage because we've, we've known about this forever. You know, we, we, we have that dynamic where we can navigate, you know, indigenous spaces and navigate settler spaces, you know, so we're kind of in those two worlds where we always know what's kind of happening, you know? So, but like settlers, they, you know, they didn't have the proper education on it or they, they didn't learn anything about it and it shocked them. So people were just asking, what can I do? You know, like, how can I, how can I fix this? So what it started, what it, how my allyship post started was um, people were asking questions about what do we do next? So I'm like, you know, go talk to your MLA and, you know, write letters to them saying, you know, they want, you want this, you know, try. And then I was like, you know, learn the, learn the, etiquette of being an ally, you know, to indigenous people, you know, because you're coming into their spaces. So people are like, what's the etiquette? So a couple of days later, I just decided that I should sit down and, and write these posts. You know, I could have easily made that into a hundred point, you know, allyship post, but you know, I'm only one indigenous person and these were my personal things that I thought allyship should be, um, you know, just from watching and learning, you know, throughout the years. And, you know, I think it's, it became a pretty comprehensive starter. The link to that list will be in the show notes to anyone who is listening. So I highly recommend that you go check it out because it is an amazing resource for anyone who is I don't want to say struggling because that's not the key word I want to use here, but who wants to do better, who wants to be better, who wants to do better and become a better ally. And the one thing I want to, the, the first thing that I want to ask is you don't automatically become an ally. And I think that's the biggest thing that people have the misconception of, Hey, I have a friend. It's like the old gay adage, right? Well, you're gay. So I, I'm not homophobic. No, you need to work at it. So how do you, how does one become an ally? Because I think the word ally is used a really differently in different situations. So in your opinion, what is the first step that someone can do to go on the road to become an ally? Um, oh, the first step is, you know, like, um, just self-learning, self-education. Um, you know, it's, it's, you're gonna, you have to have a crash crash course in everything indigenous. Um, you know, cause 
everybody's trying to catch up <laughs> and you know yeah um yeah we have we like, have learned in the last month that there has been a massive failing of canadians from coast to coast to coast on this issue and not i should not issue but on this file and we need to rectify it as quickly as possible because i don't think we can properly heal as a people and i could be wrong here but i don't think we can properly heal as a people until we all start realizing that we have a role to play in fostering better partnerships with our first nations and indigenous communities correct yes exactly you know like you know we all have to be on the same page because you know, in order for us to enact change, we all have to be on the same page and thinking about, you know, how can we make sure that these children's lives are not in vain or their deaths, I should say, are not in, in vain and that, you know, that this doesn't happen again. And the one when I was reading these, I, 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 I know that they are from you. They are your vision of how to become an ally. The one misconception is what one Indigenous person might think is what everyone thinks. It's not the case, correct? And what you think how you can become an ally might not be correct for someone here in Alberta, someone in Ontario. So talk me through how Canadians and the white Canadians, the settler Canadians can do that because I think there's a big unknown of how do you talk about issues when the first nations of Nova Scotia might be different from the first nations of Alberta? Um, the easiest way to do that is like, you know, like we have, um, we have indigenous groups all over uh, Canada, you know, doing awareness at this site or that site. And, you know, there's Facebook groups about, you know, especially like you know here in nova scotia we're doing a lot of um you know moderate livelihood fish fishing um you know protests and stuff like that and so you know like there's there's truck houses like you know trading posts and stuff that you can go to and you know become you know an ally you know help out on on that aspect but like you know there are are local groups everywhere um, that are, are about building the fundamentals of, of allyship. So it's, it's, I like, it's, it's kind of hard to like figure out where they are, but like, you know, like we, I think 90% of, you know, people have Facebook, so it's a good start there because, <laughs> you know, like the groups is, is a good, good area, you know? As much as social media, I believe, is the downfall of our society, I believe it is a good starting point to learn and educate yourself and start learning a little bit more. One uh, in in your uh, points, you say we need to respect our elders. For the white listener out there, for the settler, the colonizer listeners out there, what does that mean? What do, what is an elder to begin with? I I know, but for those people who might not know, because yet again we're trying to teach one person and and hopefully start a conversation. But what is an elder? Well, in in my teachings, well, little teachings I have, but um, my teachings, um, you know, like an elder is somebody who is respected in the community. Usually, somebody who's um, you know, an older person, um, you know, and it's just somebody that's 
a knowledge keeper in our, in our communities or like, you know, like somebody who, who just is always educating people, you know, is, is, is your go-to person to, to learn from. And how, how do we respect them? How do settlers and colonizers respect the elders of first nations of uh, the Métis of the uh, Inuit people? Well, you know, like, um, you know, if, if you're at a, an event um, and you see like, you know, an elder coming and it doesn't even have to be an indigenous elder, you know, it could be anybody, you know, an older person or, you know, somebody like that, you know, give up your space for them, you know, let them sit down, let them, you know, if, if they're standing in front of, if you're standing in front of them, you know, say, Hey, here, take my spot. I'll stand behind you. You know, and it's just, it's all about that. You know, this is going to be the white person question here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm assuming they don't have a big giant sign on them that says, Hey, I'm an elder. Right. And I see you laughing about it, but it is an honest (laughs) question because I think some people might say, well, that person might be an elder. So do I respect them? Do I not? So it's more of a respect everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's more respect everyone. You know, like I, like, you know, like I, I'll still like, you know, I'm, I'm middle-aged, I guess. Um, but I'll you know, say that I'll because I'm, I'm a bit younger than you and that means I'm <laughs> middle-aged and I do not want to be middle-aged. <laughs> you know, like, and I'll still like, you know, get up for, you know, my, my elders, you know, and they'll be like, you know, 10, 10 years older than me, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm like, where did this, where did this come from? But, uh, you know, like I, it's just, I don't know. It's just something I always grew up with and, you know, it's always, you know, like always respect your elders or your, anybody that's older than you. You, you mentioned as well that, um, there is a, being a big, I, I shouldn't say big push, but there's been a increase in asking of our indigenous, I shouldn't say our indigenous, but the indigenous people of Canada, um, for their time, their energy, their work for free. While I, I agree that that needs to stop, and I, yet again, that's the white guy saying that to the guy who asked the Indigenous person to come <laughs> on the show, but how do you envision the future of a more collaborative society where settlers and colonizers work with our work with the indigenous people of Canada to better ourselves. So that way that doesn't happen anymore. Well, you know, hopefully, um, you know, around that time uh, that, that there's no colonizers, <laughs> that would be, that would be a really great start. Um, you know. Um, so you know, I think I, a I, really, be, really be, tough question. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there because I, I'm going to ask yeah. the question that I should have asked beforehand. What do you consider a colonizer? Because you said, I hope that there's no colonizers anymore. So I got to ask what, what do you consider a colonizer or a settler? Um, you know, a settler is somebody who, who acknowledges that, you know, they're not originally from, um, from, you know, North America. You know, like their ancestors came here, uh, regardless if it was, you know, one generation ago or 50 generations ago, you know, they acknowledge that they are, they are on, 
uh, traditional lands of indigenous people. And they're there to, to coexist. And then a settler is, uh, you know, somebody who's kind of a see you next Tuesday, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I double snap there for RuPaul. I don't know why I said <laughs> I would never watch that again, but double snap for RuPaul for see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody who, who is there to take up space, to exploit that space, to destroy that space and to destroy the original inhabitants. You know, they are people who are toxic. And I, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I've got to mm-hmm. ask the question just because I'm following you. You, you talk. I'm going to ask the questions as you uh, talk. Um, you, you have a an amazing way on Twitter to call out settlers, and it's <laughs> I, I don't know how you came up with it, but it's the settlers uh, uh, like I like togetherness or basically the you're basically calling them out and you're grouping them in and you're basically calling it out as it comes into you. And I give you credit where that is due because not enough people do that anymore, where if someone's doing something stupid, idiotic, and just downright bad, they need to be called out. Have you always done this in your life where you've just called it out as you see it? Or has this been something that's been transitioning recently? No, you know, like um, growing up, I was that shy little band kid, you know, in 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 school. And I never talked to anybody, you know, um, (laughs) uh, you know, as I got older, you know, I guess I got older. I, I, I just want to make sure I get the right name here because it is the best way. And you probably know what I'm talking about, but it's oh, the settler, 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 collector? Co- settler collector. Thank you so yeah. much for that. Um, how do you continue on? Because I see the vile, st- stupid shit, pardon my French, that you get on a daily basis pardon my French for my dog who's just appearing in the shot there, but how do you continue on? How, how do you not just get knocked down? Because as someone who has gotten their share of shitty posts sent to them, how do you continue on? Do you, do you have a thick skin that you're able to just walk through or do you have to take it back from time to time and say enough's enough. And I just need to step away from social media. Yeah. You know, I, I try to balance it out as much as I can. Um, You know, for the most part, I'm a pretty easygoing, happy person. Um, but don't get on my bad side. <laughs> you know, I, and unfortunately, you know, with, with a lot of things that, uh, you know, these, um, these trolls say is, is stuff I've heard all my life. You know, like since, since I was a kid, I was, I was called Redskin or Wagon Burner. You know, like I remember that from when I was like six or seven years old, you know, or like not, or like, you know, my friend's parents telling me that they can't, I can't come over their house because I'm an Indian, you know? So I've heard that all my life and I'm used to it. You know what I mean? Like I, I know I shouldn't be used to it, but I am. And so they don't, phase me as much as, as, as they, as they used to when I first started getting online and, and receiving hate, you know, but I kind of like, 
I like getting them riled up because it really gives me more stuff that I can report and get them banned because, you know, like I'm, I'm a person who I can take that. I can take that hate, you know, it, it hurts. Yes, for sure. It hurts, but I can take it. I'm trying to protect somebody who can't take that, you know, that will, that will, you know, do something that might self-harm them. You know, I, I don't want to see people, you know, go resort to self-harming, you know? So that's why I do it. Is there a conflict between the first nations communities as well? Because I see via Twitter yet again, this is my only interaction that I've had with you before today, but, um, and hopefully not after this and we stayed close and we continue to talk, but you, you will call out other first nations, indigenous people as well because of some of their languages that you use. Mm-hmm. Can we move on as a country before we before First Nations can move on? Like, how do we how do we continue to move forward if, like you said, you're calling out First Nations as well or uh, Indigenous people who are not doing what you're doing, who are not calling out the settlers of this country who are assholes? Yeah. Um, you know, like, I think, I think it can, you know, that we can do both at the same time, you know, like, um, as indigenous people, we are, we are hurting still from, from active colonization, you know, so you can see the degrees of, of colonization on different, uh, different nations in Canada, you know, like us Mi'kmaq people, um, have, have had, you know, first contact for over, over 400 years, you know, in BC, it's, it's a hell of a lot less. Um, so you can see that there's different dynamics in colonization, uh, from coast to coast to coast. Um, you know, so, so, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, in, in the LGBTQ, you know, uh, community, you know, there's we're always fighting for our rights, you know, but there's a lot of internalized homophobia. There's a lot of um, racism. There's a lot of tra- transphobia, you know, and there's a lot of sexism, too. You know, so it's it's our duty as 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 queer people to to call that out in, into in our community. You know, so it's it's kind of along the same lines. Do you believe that because you're calling this out, you're calling it out? And honestly, yet again, I, I follow a few indigenous people on Twitter and you seem to be active. You you seem to enjoy it. And I apologize if you don't, because you seem to you seem to say, you know what? Enough is enough. We need to stop letting this be the norm of society and calling this shit out. Yeah. Do you see yourself as a fighter in the re- breaking down the barriers barriers of the normality that has been racism within our country? I I do, but like I I'm kind of like a reluctant one because like you know like I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of of being 
invalidated. I'm tired of being, you know, thought of as a third world person in my own country. You know, I'm, I'm just tired of the bullshit. And I, I just, you know, like, I, I just want to see these people to cha- change and to call them out, you know, maybe, maybe one out of 20 of them are going to change, you know, if that, but at least, you know, they're thinking about what they said. I'm going to ask a, a very tough question. And if you mm-hmm. don't want to answer it, please don't, please just tell me and I'll cut it out. But are you a proud Canadian? Yeah. Yeah, I'm proud to be Canadian, but I acknowledge the atrocities that Canada has committed. You know, like, it's it's hard to describe it. Like, you know, I am internally grateful for where I live because I have the rights I, I do because of the country I'm in, you know, as, as a gay person in any other place, you know, I could be murdered. I could be tortured. I could be put in jail. You know, I am free to love who I want and to enjoy freedoms. But as an indigenous person, those freedoms are limited at the same time. You know, like growing up on reservations, you, you know, you're put, you're literally put into a specific community where you sit, where you're told that you have to live. You know, I carry around a card that has my Indian number on it. I have to carry that around every day, you know? So, and there's, there's, you know, over what, over a hundred some odd reserves in Canada that don't even have clean drinking water. So I'm proud, but I'm ashamed at the same time. How do you, how would you identify yourself? Would you identify yourself as a Canadian first or a, and yet again, I apologize if I'm using the wrong pronoun, uh, the, uh, the wrong tense here, but a Mi'kmaq uh, First Nations person. I, I, yeah, I always, um, I always say I'm Mi'kmaq first. Mi'kmaq. Yeah. There has been a raging debate within Canada over the last month since I would say, May 27th, and more recently with today, June 30th, as we're recording this, discovery of 182 more mm-hmm. uh, children who were killed at a residential school in Cranbrook, British Columbia, of the cancellation of Canada Day. I, I, I will ask the question first, and then I'll follow up with another one, but what are your feeling? What is your feelings on the cancellation of Canada Day, in in honor of and memory of the children that we are discovering, and still to be discovered? Because I will be honest, it is not done yet, and there will be more. But what is your opinion on the cancel Canada Day movement? 
Well, um, you know, it's it's not about canceling Canada Day. It's about shifting the narratives of Canada Day. You know, um, you know what Indigenous people make up. I believe a quarter of of the Canadian population, something roughly around that. You know, a quarter of us are 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 mourning. You know, I I we we should you know like that's you know uh, what like over sixteen hundred children dead. You know, sixteen hundred. That's what four seven forty sevens crashing. You know, yeah. we would we would immediately cancel, you know, uh, a celebration if if four planes crashed, you know, so it's 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 about, you know, reflecting on on our part in this genocide. So, you know, like we can be proud to be Canadian, but we don't need to s- you know, have a day to celebrate it. We can celebrate being Canadian every day and, and to shift the narrative to, to, you know, having a reflection about honoring these, these children. How do we honor these children? How do we honor these children who were maliciously killed in a genocidal act uh, from the church and from the government of Canada up until, and we have to remember this, up until 1996, this was still going on. How do yeah. we honor those uh, children and the ones who did not make it back that we did know about? Because while these unmarked graves are a eye opener for the country, some we knew about, some we knew died within the system. And how do we honor them? How do we how do we as colonizers honor those senseless, stupid acts that we perpetrated towards them? I think the best way to honor them is to teach our children that this happened and to to worry about our next generation. You know, how are they going to to deal with with this history? You know, like we want them to honor, you know, them that didn't come home, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, um, how have you honored them? Well, you know, I, I, um, you know, just been doing a lot of like education, you know, online and, and giving difficult talks to people you know like you know my my partner he's he's a settler you know and we we sit down and talk about this like how this happened and you know he's educating his nieces and nephews about what happened you know and our friends are are talking to their children about what happened you know so i guess like to honor these children we have to teach the next generation that you know, this is unacceptable. One of the things that I have made an effort, and this is me being me, is to listen, to listen to the survivors, the horrendous stories that they have to tell about getting beat 
sexually abused, getting whipped. It it is appalling to no end. And that is me as a white person hearing these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, you know, are pro- um, sorry, you are a product of the residential school system. Your mother and your grandmother went to these horrendous places. Did you talk, have you talked to your family about what went on and how does that square with you being able to say, and yet again, this is me asking the roundabout question here to square away to say, you're proud to be Canadian because I can tell you, I am not proud to be Canadian after hearing some of the horror stories that I've heard over the last month and a half. And that's just the selection and there's more to be heard. Um, You know, uh, my, my mother really didn't talk about the residential school, but when she did, we listened, you know, it was, it was a life lesson for us. And, um, you know, like she needed to tell the, that story to us at that specific time for us to learn something. And, you know, like most of my, most of my relatives that, that went to the school never, never talked about it. You know, like the only people I really talked about were like my father talked about a little bit about it because, you know, his mother, his mother uh, protected him from going to the residential school. You know, he had like at six years old, he had to hide in the woods for five months, you know, and it It's just, um, you know, it's just horrible to hear these stories and, and you just think about like how, how you would have dealt with it. Like, you know, like if I had children, you know, how would I react if, if they were taken away or if I was a child, you know, taken away, you know, like my mom, my mom spent 10 years at that school, you know, she was there at six. They took her away from her mom. You know, and she wasn't allowed to interact with with her brothers and sisters at that school, even though they slept in the same dorm. And, you know, like when when her father was killed, um, they just lined up the children and said, your father's dead. Get back to class. You know, so. You you listen to the stories when when your relatives, you know, say these stories, because. They're so important to know, even though they're very, very, very difficult to hear. I I apologize for the pause in audio here, but I am trying to recoup myself because we have uh, slaughtered and I'm using that word not lightly because it is the truth. We have slaughtered a generation of First Nations and Indigenous people. And as I said at the beginning, a genocide happened on this land. And we have people in this country who are still saying that more needs to be done. We have people in this country who I would have called a friend a week ago, but after hearing what they've said, I refuse to call them friends saying that our indigenous 
population are the indigenous people of this of Canada have had it easy. This is not easy. I am talking to a man right now who, and I, I think I can, I'm not, I'm not trying to say what you're feeling right now, but you were hurting. I think there is a population in this country who is hurting. And yet again, this is the white guilt here. And I'm not trying to make levity of the situation, but I, 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 and I don't know if this is the, an appropriate place to say this, but I'm going to say this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what Canada has put you through that is still putting you through and it needs to stop. And I'm sorry. No, it, it, it makes you angry. I know. Like it's, it's just, it's so mind boggling, you know, what, what's happened. You know, like we're just coming to grasp, you know, like this, we're, we're literally, you know, instead of using a bandaid, we use duct tape to cover our wound, you know, and we're ripping it off right now. So yeah, we're going to have all these emotions. We're going to be, we're going to be angry. We're going to be angry for a long time. Not just, not just indigenous people. Everybody in Canada is going to be angry. This is the part that bothers me the most. Since May 27th, when we first discovered 215 bodies, not a week has gone by in Canada where we have not found more children. More children are found today, June 30th, in, in Cranbrook, BC. Yet the media, yet social media seems to be quiet. I hope that does not continue. I hope people realize that this is still happening and we need to continue talking about it how do we do that how do we ensure that this is not brushed under the table uh, brushed under the rug like so many sense insensitive things that have happened in this country have done in the past how do you envision us doing that um just to um you know continue these conversations in person that's where that's where change really happens is, you know, having having that difficult conversation at your kitchen table, you know, talking to your friends about this, you know. Go, you know, go to an exhibit about it, you know, with with families or friends. And, you know, like. I don't know, it's it's it's, it's hard to describe, like, you know, but it's just like. It has to happen. It has to continue um, because it, it can't be swept under the rug again. You know, it was, it was swept under, you know, when the last residential school closed, it was at, at, well, when every residential school closed, it was swept under the rug. You know, like the one closes to mine, my reserve, you know, like that closed in nine in 67 you know, that was 15 years before I was born. You know, the last one in Canada closed in 96. I was 15 years old, you know, when that closed. Yeah, that could have been me. We, we are, and I'm using this word because it is the most uninevitable thing that is going to happen over the next month and a half. We are heading into an election, a federal election mm-hmm. where one part, one political party one major political party is 
leading in the polls who seems to want to be the ally of the indigenous people and has a the worst track record of any party because they are the natural governing party of this country. What do we need to do to hold our politicians accountable for the atrocities that have happened? And how do we get them to acknowledge, because I don't think any of them have, and I would say that even to the NDP right now, the horrendous genocides mm-hmm. that we have done to the, our people, uh, to the First Nations people of Canada. The, um, the easiest way to do it is writing your member of parliament. Um, you know, that's free to do. You write them, you, you know, write a letter and just hand it to the post- postal clerk. You know, that's free to free for you to do. You don't even have to buy a stamp, you know, and you could you could literally copy and paste one off the Internet. And send it every day to that specific person, send it to anybody. Send it to all 338 if you want. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like. You know that. Yeah, that's going to piss them off uh, for sure. Um, But, you know, like it's going to it's going to keep that wound open for them you know it's gonna it's gonna hopefully make them change uh, because you know like we have to hold every single politician accountable um for their inactions on this on on this genocide you know it doesn't matter how long they've been in politics for 60 years or five minutes five minutes you know they need to all be held accountable and you know acknowledge what happened you know publicly one of the other and this is the one that we have not talked about a lot but the catholic Mm. church needs to be held accountable um we have a delegation of indigenous people going to meet the pope pope benedict pope francis in december which i don't understand why it can't be Earlier than December, yeah. I, I don't understand why the Vatican is not trying to jump on this issue and rectify the atrocities that they have uh, done to the people uh, of the First Nations and Indigenous communities. There has been calls in the Truth and Reconciliation uh, recommendations, the acts, to have the Pope apologize on Canadian soil. I'm assuming you're in favor of this, but I'm not, I shouldn't assume because that, you know what that means, but I'm, assu- I will, I will make the assumption that you are in favor of this. Um, is that enough though? An apology is words. What yeah. can they be doing right now? Well, you know, like Stephen Harper apologized for the residence schools in, in when was it? Uh, 2000, I, I think 12. Yeah. Something like that. And then you know, three days later, a member of his cabinet went out and said they uh, people of residential schools need to do a little bit more work. And we went, OK, that was lip service. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's, you know, the Pope's apology is going to be um, lip service as well. I think what like I'm not expecting them to apologize, to be honest, you know, because that's just going to that's just going to open a can of worms for litigation and lawsuits and. I can't, and they'll be hold, held accountable, you know, like, yeah, they're not going to apologize, you know, as much as we, you know, if we send every single person to, you know, every single indigenous person in Canada over there to say, Hey, can you apologize to me? They won't. 
yeah. we can send thousands and thousands of us they're they're not going to do anything because they've they don't want to they don't want to apologize for their for their um what is it the doctrine of discovery right yeah and one, uh, one of the things that i found horrendous about two weeks after the first uh 215 children were discovered we had a catholic priest in canada saying well we got to think about the good that happened in these schools what would you say to that man right now if he was sitting in front of you um well yeah remember this is this is is an x-rated show so you could just say whatever you want I would say what I say to my cats and just spray him with a bottle of water and tell him to fuck off. <laughs> you know, um, to put it lightly, uh, you know, if I, if it was any other day, definitely punch him. Um, you know, not that I'm a violent person, but sometimes you gotta, um, you know, like it's just whitewashing. That's what he's doing. He's whitewashing the whole thing. Yes, some kids did not have it as worse as others in there. But it was still what it was. You can say the exact same thing about about the concentration camps in in Europe or or the ghettos in Germany. You know, some people had it better. You know, but it still does not negate what the core of resident residential schools were. It was to eliminate the Indian from the child. And from the land. Yeah. Um, Bryson, Bryce, Bryson. Yes. Um, I want to thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm going to ask you one last question, then we'll wrap mm-hmm. up here. What's next? What's next in this world of discovery that has changed Canada to its core? What's next? What's next is for everybody to exhale because everybody's holding their breath. You know, be, and, you know, some are holding it because of stress. Some are holding it because they don't want to hear anything, you know. It's, it's time for us to hold this whole nation accountable for, for the residential schools and to move forward together. Um, you know, like, you know, we're only, you and I, everybody who's listening, we're only one person, but together we can change this whole nation. You know, we just have to, work together we all have to get on the same page and think about all these children that never had a chance to grow up you know these these children would have been would have been my would have been elders today you know we would have been holding you know giving them giving up our seat for them you know at at a powwow you know or they could have been great leaders of 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 their nations but they never had that chance 
Bryson, I want to thank you so much for doing this. Um, for my listeners, uh, I would highly recommend you follow Bryson on Twitter. His handle and link will be in the show notes. Um, but also check out his, uh, I, I don't want to say blog, but thread, I think it's called. Uh, I would highly recommend you check out that. That link will be in the show notes as well. Um, Bryson, thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for taking your time out of your uh, Wednesday night and sitting down and educating a very white, white guy. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. It, it was, uh, it was really wonderful to, to have this conversation as tough it was, as it was. If the information and material that you've just heard has triggered unpleasant feelings or thoughts of past abuse, please contact the 24-hour residential school crisis hotline at 1-866-925-4419 if you require emotional support. That number again is 1-866-925-4419. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced, edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated.